0: This is Tobela Guadula for Conroity on the Conroity Consult. Today I am speaking to Wilfred um, with regards to mental health, more importantly anxiety, and how it is that society can go about addressing these issues. Um, But without further ado, I'm just going to let him introduce himself. Thank you very much Wilfred.
1: Okay, well thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I am I have a background in psychology uh, which um, has preoccupied me in the first years of my career because I've worked um, very deeply in in psychology in industrial psychology in a workplace but over the years I've also gone more into the business side of things and um, I am Nowadays, an organization development consultant that essentially helps companies to grow not only in terms of volumes and, and, and size, but also in terms of capacity to deal with their purpose, to deal with what they want to achieve. Um, and that also has a lot to do with uh, human development. So on the one side it is the structure of organizations and on the other side it is the climate and the way that people relate to one another and how the energies in an organization are mobilized in a most effective way in order to bring optimal value. That is possibly in a nutshell what I'm trying to do. I'm married, I've got three adult children, Um, I take great pride in my family because I think we are a great family, I've got two granddaughters and it is so rewarding to see them growing up and from a perspective that as a parent you didn't have but as a grandparent you have the benefit of the one side closeness but also
0: distance. (laughs) <laughs> this is true. This is true. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for, for, for that intro, Wilfred, and I'm um, looking forward to our discussion. Let's just get right into it then.
1: Well, uh, I, I, I would like to talk a bit about the impact of anxiety, the uncertainty the uncertainty that is is added to the pandemic. And perhaps explain a bit uh, what my understanding is, what, what it actually does, and what would be required to to manage that better.
0: Anxiety. I, I think, on on, on on from from my understanding as well, it's um. It's also something that we don't really think about as often. Um, I know I know there's a lot of focus on depression. And I think people have a very good understanding of what depression is to a fault. You know, they can't diagnose themselves with it. But I think more or less, you know, when you've been on a prolonged stretch of not feeling very good mentally. Um, and then stress is another thing, you know, because we understand that the, the pressures of life and the everyday um, do get kind of like overwhelming. So we also understand very well when, you know, we feel under pressure and we feel heavy, and we feel stressed out. Uh, But I think the idea or or the anxiety itself is perhaps not something that we quite have a grasp on or in how does it manifest itself, uh, how does it influence the decisions we make, how we engage with people. Um, I think that quality of always second-guessing yourself and not being sure of yourself and um, being very hesitant, I... I think we almost always, at least I, I'll speak for myself here, um, attribute that to our personality. You know, that's how I am. I'm a hesitant person. I'm not very confident. Um, meanwhile, all, all along, it could really just be, you know, anxiousness.
1: I mean, what is personality? The definition of personality is very, very complex. It requires many, many different facets. Uh, what is perhaps um, easier is to identify a couple of emotions that we can relate to and, and understand that, that they govern our behavior to a large extent. So if, if, if you look at the human being uh, as having evolved to its current state, then the environment that the human being has um, Changed significantly over the last maybe a thousand years, Uh, and then, of course, in the last 250 years to a very, very large extent, then the Mm. human being as such hasn't changed fundamentally in terms of the hardware. (laughs)
0: The
1: The people that lived a couple of thousand years ago are pretty much the same as you and I now yeah because evolution takes a much much longer time period to manifest in significant ways
0: mm-hmm.
1: so so the, the 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 evolving human was sort of developed for the environment that existed at the time mm-hmm. and and a big big feature of that was um that there were opportunities and then there were challenges. There were a lot of challenges because there was, you know, challenge for land or you know, location. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there were many instances where you, you felt challenged about the environment and that, that triggers anxieties. Um, and the 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 very simplistic response to anxieties is you either want to run away or you you want to fight it. So what, the one is a more aggressive approach; the other one is a more uh, subdued approach. Of course, running can be very active, but it it's it's still
0: <laughs> not it's as still confrontational or, as you know fighting. Yes.
1: And, now in, in the modern world um, the threats are not that immediate. Um, it's it's a threat that is perhaps there that is even not well defined like for example losing your job. Uh. Um, or losing a relationship. Uh, the, the fear of, of that actually happening. And uh, what what happens is that we then uh, populate, not populate, but you strengthen the, the emotion through your rational mind because you say, gee, but if that happens, what happens next? And then I will be on my own or I won't have an income or I won't find another job. So we then use our rational mind that has the ability to conceptualize the future, and we then build relatively threatening images of what the future might hold, which is, however, quite defeatist. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you analyze it from research perspective, the future is much more benign than we often think. True. So things will be okay. True. And it is much better to actually think or feel that things will be okay if you can get yourself to that state, than to be defeatist about the future. Because then your energies will be mobilized towards creating a positive future. Whereas if you've thought about the future of being challenging and perhaps bad for you, then you might subconsciously work towards that. As a self-fulfilling prophecy
0: it's it's always tricky and I understand what you mean and and let me just reiterate to make sure we are on the same page Um, you know with this idea that we've you know um, evolved to where we are right now once upon a time anxiety just used to present itself in very immediate terms you know you see a lion for argument's sake the, the problem is right here. You run right now yes. or you fight right now and then that's the end of it. Um, but because those are not the environments that we find ourselves in today, the, there's a bit of a, a lag or a delay between when we first get that, um, that feeling of danger the and trigger. Well, the trigger. The trigger. The trigger. And when it actually is going to, you know, happen, transpire. There may be a month, two months, three months, whatever the case is. Mm. And now what we do is we are not making that immediate decision to fight or flight. We just kind of like compound the problem by thinking on it a lot. So then if if I feel that there aren't any jobs around and that is the reality of the situation, what what help is there for me to be... To think positively about it when the very day-to-day feelings between when I think I'm gonna lose my job and when the losing of my job actually happens, um,
1: yeah,
0: I feel like trash every one every single second of those days, you know. So so it's hard to think how a positive perspective can can change that. To be honest with you, mm. for 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 the for the average, normal South Africans with normal problems and a day-to-day kind of routine that makes it hard to to do anything other than worry.
1: Have you been in situations where you thought that future outcomes are going to be worse? Than-
0: no, I can't recall. I, I don't think there is a time where I've forecasted something to be worse, and most of the time it is benign. Most of the time... It it's just comes to pass and it's just very, oh, wow, well, that was it.
1: And, and research bears that out. That um, our estimation of the future is often, you know, unless we are sort of blind optimists, but, but uh, on average, people are more worried than they need to be about the future. Um, and therefore the energies in order to fight this or to manage this anxiety are then no longer available to bring about a positive future. So let's take an example. If we've got 10 people, uh, all of them lose their job. Nine of them are feeling defeatist about it, and they don't know what to do. The other one says, okay, yeah, I lost my job, like probably many others, but it isn't as if all the jobs have gone. There are still jobs out there. So I need to try harder in order to get those limited jobs. Okay. Because I need to get myself out there um, and create opportunity because there are still jobs out there and if I can mobilize myself towards presenting myself out in the marketplace, I have a much, much greater opportunity than others who are giving up.
0: Okay. How do you do that? So,
1: so on average, well, on, 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 on. Okay, let me answer your question. It's not something that you can do very fast. Because habitually you have been socialized through society to be like that to a certain extent. Because we've got a dominant model of win-lose thinking. So someone wins, the other person loses. And the cooperative model is not very well established in our society. So as soon you know, there are pockets of cooperation opera- that are definitely competitive for limited resources, instead of working together and creating more resources, uh, which is a difficult concept if you are under pressure. Uh, but I would argue, Tabela, that... Um, The reason why we evolved in such a successful way, if one can call it that, compared to all the other animals, is that we have very superior social skills. I mean, the human being is a relatively weak animal. So if we are out there on our own 10,000 years ago, we are quite vulnerable. Mm so we had to bandy together and work together in order to establish a barrier to threat so our social capacity is is tremendous uh Mm. but in these times we are losing a lot of that because the pressures and also the 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 whole social distancing thing is is uh, May, making us insular so to come back to your question how do you do that you, you need a you need a number of people who are convinced that that is the co- cooperative model is the is the most successful model okay um, people hopefully who are in in some sort of leadership but leadership could be a father or or, or a coach in a football team or Wherever, uh-huh. whoever has some ability in influencing others, that that model is consciously being developed, okay? So how do you involve people? How do you think about solutions and opportunity instead about problems? So we, we tend to get stuck on problems because they're very worrying and then we can't find the solution. You need someone to say okay guys yeah this is a problem let's analyze it um, what are likely solutions that will get us out of the situation so immediately you're mobilizing the energies of people towards the future mm. and not get them stuck in the present with their current worries and concerns okay. so i mean I, I i enjoy going into retail stores I just like the environment, and I observe it because I see it as uh, tremendous opportunities for companies to add value to shoppers. Okay, but they're not taking the opportunity. You have your cashier. Your average cashier is a is a fairly blunt, um, interactive um, person so, because. Yeah. They just want to get through the day and, you know, they do their cashier's job and with very little interaction. And you can see that the leadership in that environment is also not engaging with them. Because I find in maybe eight out of ten cases, when I start to engage with the cashier, I'm able to open up the conversation and get a smile and get a... Connectivity going and the, the the blankness actually vanishes. Yes. Now now that's the human energy element. If we can open the tap of interpersonal engagement, then the energy is flowing in a positive direction typically. Mm. Because I, I don't know whether you've been in the situation that at the middle of the night you've got a big problem that has been worrying you, and you wake up, and you're on your own, and the problem seems unovercomable. Yes. Because you're on your own. But in the morning, when you start to interact with people and you you, you entrust people with your problem, suddenly. The, the, the monstrosity uh, dissipate, uh, dissipates.
0: Yeah, this is true. This uh, is because true because we are
1: we, we are making a connection at a social interactive level, and that gives us a bit more certainty. So I reckon that the interpersonal side, in in business and in normal life, is needs to be leveraged much more. So, I've got, a, I've got a, a client that has got a food, food um, supply company. And um, they've got a big warehouse, and they've got trucks, and, and so on. Now, management is, is close by, but they are in offices. And uh, they need to traverse between the warehouse and offices. So, they walk through the warehouse... But typically, purposefully towards the the next location. Mm. Now here you've got all your staff doing their job, and this manager, who's supposed to be a leader, is walking through. He's not
0: communicating.
1: Mm. I mean, how easy is it to just make contact and take maybe three, four minutes longer to get to the other side, but in the process you make contact with people and you're making a human connection and you're probably reducing their anxieties uh, just by making contact and showing that you're an approachable sort of person.
0: That's, that's and
1: that's where I think leadership fails dismally. They yeah. are behind their laptops or computers and they are lacking the human contact and thereby they are missing out on energizing, igniting the energy that is there and directing it into positive directions. Okay. I'm getting a bit carried away, but I I believe very strongly in the interpersonal side.
0: I actually, I think I I like the train of thought that you're on because it reminds me of um, when we were discussing getting together for this um, podcast around kind of like mental health and, you know, how we think and and engage with our problems. Um, You mentioned that you are not a fan of social distancing, or the term "social distancing," you said that you like um, the idea of physical distancing more, which—well,
1: the necessity of it.
0: The, yes, the necessity of it. Not healthy. that we—it's not the preferred situation. <laughs> no, of course not. But um, but I think, in, uh, as as um, someone in the field of kind of like psychology, yourself. I think it's, it's amazing. As soon as I read that in the email that you sent me, I was like, wow, that's a really powerful concept. And all you're doing is just switching words. We say, we're switching the word social and we are replacing it with the word physical, which in essence is, is really what is needed to be able to um, bring down kind of like the rapid spread of, of you know, yes. the coronavirus. People just shouldn't be too physically close to each other however, it that does not mean that we should not socialize and exactly. what perhaps happened initially with the whole switch to you know the social distancing and the and the measures that were taken is everyone just went into a hard drive of like cutting out the socializing and and that may have happened in deliberate ways and maybe not so deliberate ways um people working from home that was a deliberate thing that was done by companies to make sure that they um, increase or decrease kind of like the possibility of people contracting the, the the virus on the way to work or at work whatever and so on but that left us to be at home so now we're working from home and we don't have that socialization um, that working with our colleagues that that interpersonal relationships. Um, So now not only do we have to deal with the problems ourselves in our own homes um, where it's perhaps even harder to separate work from the home life, uh, but even the stupid questions, you know, the things that you're unsure about uh, may have not been facilitated or you may not have had the support that is required um, that you would, you know, at work you just turn around and swing your chair and speak to a colleague and you've got your answer. But at home, you have to go to a support group or book a meeting to get the same answer, or it takes maybe 20 minutes to get this answer. And during that time, you are just so anxious about, am I doing this right? So what I'm hearing from you now is that perhaps the first step to counteracting or fighting you know, anxiety is connecting, and not only that, but connect, trying to connect with people who work from a different model. People who don't work from the winner-loser mindset, but people who work kind of like more collaboratively and understand that yeah. it's a give and take. And if you have that foundation, you know, one or two people or maybe five people, I, I find that as adults, it grows ever more difficult to, to make friends. Um, so people tend to have smaller circles, but it's important that that small circle that you have is a very grounded um, group of, of, of positive thinking and kind of like empowered individuals so that the energy that you share can, can help everyone grow.
1: But as long as people have that potential, they might not... You know, we, we are striving to become all the time. The, the, those of us who are perhaps thinking about life as something... That has got a, a lifespan and and maybe you want to do something in this life, then you are constantly in a state of becoming it's a process of striving to become better.
0: I hear you. And I think
1: that's important. That I hear you. we've got some principles that we are jointly agreeing, but we might be at different stages of our journey towards them.
0: No. Okay, so the other issue that I wanted to bring up to you, Wilfred, is with regards to you know mental health, um, that of our friends, our family, our colleagues, how it is that we can um, bridge that gap um, whereby we communicate and let people know that we are available for them to help so that we're not losing um, our friends without actually being aware of what it is that is troubling them because we are facing... Um, high cases especially with men of suicide rates we're facing people who are suffering alone in a world that is supposedly more connected um, so how can we as friends just be more available to, to, to help those who, who aren't telling us that they need help
1: okay firstly it's 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 not very easy, because you have to overcome a certain barrier within yourself as well. Um, Let me perhaps give you an example. Um, Many years ago, I, I employed a young secretary. And from early on, I could see that something was bothering her. And every day, I... I sort of asked her how are you today and um, she said no i'm fine and she would smile she would come up in the smile and then sometimes i walked by and i could observe that she was not in a good in a good place um it took me nine months and one day she came into my office and she broke down in tears and she told me her whole story i don't want to go into the details of that but that led to some therapy with an external psychologist and it is quite amazing how she then took off because she started dealing with some things that she had been suppressing now i could have accepted her feedback but i know i'm fine but, but I did not, because I was observing certain things, which were little things, but they were giving me an indication that something was perhaps wrong. And that's, I think, where we need to employ the power of our conviction that we inquire into people's well-being from time to time. And when people say, no, I'm fine, to perhaps just check again. Are you really fine? And people need time to trust you. Because typically they have experienced the world as somewhat punitive. And therefore they don't trust others to look into their doubts or inadequacies or what they think is not good coping in society. Mm. So, we need to be guided a bit more by the power of our conviction than merely the reactive paradigm. He Uh. told me that he was fine, so he is fine. (laughs) Let me not intrude too much. Some people will actually say, you're always asking me how I am. Well, then I would say, yes, because I'm interested. Yeah, I really want to know how you are. And not only when you're feeling good. Because maybe I can make a difference.
0: And we can take steps.
1: So, so that's where, once again, we need to interact more meaningfully with people and not be put off by the immediate reaction of someone, but rather... Remain with our conviction and our understanding that sometimes people will put up a front, but that's not them. That is just a learned front in order to keep people
0: out. Apart from that, there is perhaps not much more that we can do, um, unless, of course, we go back to you know the foundations of what we spoke earlier, you know, being affirmative and speaking positivity out there. Um, just in, just as a way of life. Um, if 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 if, for example, we can combine those, um, not only ask these questions of concern or show the concern and empathy, um, and then follow up and trust your conviction, but also in the day to day between those events happening. Um, just also planting positivity. I really like how you look today. Da, da 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 Or I really like how you did this and that and that. I think perhaps those two elements um, combined may, may bring about um, a desired change within the with the individuals that we are engaging with. And perhaps when people are talking to me, I might feel a little bit more um, at ease and, and open up because. We we do we do shut down we do shut down so I do appreciate that um, and then was there anything else that yeah, you wanted I, to add to that?
1: Yeah, I just want to add something to it because if you if you interact with another person and you ask them how they are and they now trust you with now I'm actually feeling quite down then the answer to that is just to, to, to empathize for that. Because it is a feeling that you can probably relate to. Because you've also felt quite down at some stage. And unless you are 0.11% of the population, that doesn't feel like that. But typically, you would at some stage feel a bit down. And not to get into the trap of trying to give the person advice too quickly because in giving advice you are putting yourself into a superior situation you are showing the person that you know better you know how to fix this and you're also saying okay you are now down and you don't know how to fix it So so you you need to you need to think about that dynamic a bit and ask yourself to what extent do you just empathize? And then you get to a stage to say, well how 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 do you reckon you can get out of it? Don't provide the advice, but rather sort of direct without giving condescending advice. The expense of getting into an area that um, I look at with a jaundiced eye, and that is, uh, you know, uh, an an enduring set of uh, guiding principles that uh, will solve all your problems. Uh, I, I don't like to get into that sort of space. But there are perhaps some things that one should keep in mind. The first thing that I've taken a long time to learn is that whatever you do, you don't do to others, you foremost do to yourself. So be mindful of that. The principle of thoughts become words, become actions, become habits, inform character and shape destiny is a very important principle to keep in mind in life. So be mindful of your thoughts, because they may eventually determine your destiny. Okay, so that's, that's one thing to perhaps explore. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the next thing is uh, to engage readily with people, and to overcome your inner resistance of not engaging because you might feel the other person is not ready or might react strangely or so. Get yourself to engage with people because that makes you connected and we are social beings and therefore we need to be connected. And the third one is to have expectations first and foremost of yourself and not so much of others. So in a way, if you want the world to be a certain way then you live it in that certain way that you would want the world to be like because that way you are going to create an environment around you which is probably more like you would like it to be if you expect others to do certain things in a certain way but they don't do it then you're always going to be remain frustrated. So let me give you an example. I wish the guy would communicate more with me. Okay, so now I'm putting the emphasis on him having to communicate more with me. Instead of saying, I'm going to communicate more with uh, him in the hope that he will also communicate more with me. Okay, those are probably three important
0: ones um, in my life. That makes sense. I think they do connect actually. Um, It's odd because I I thought perhaps the first thing you were going to suggest is go out there, do your research, find a therapist who can, you know, come in, that you can plug into your life and it'll be fixed. Um, But I do like how introspective um, we started. First from your thoughts that lead to your words and what it is that you put out there. Um, And then if you're putting the things out there with with a a circle that you are very deliberate about creating and engaging with, um, then then the chances are if if you're cognizant um, and mindful of your own actions that that, that you can be a good energy around others and that's still being a good energy for you. Um, And and I really think that helps. I really thought you were gonna send me to the book and <laughs> but I think therapy can help but we, but sometimes we have to do the work on our own first. We have to lay the, the, the foundations and then something like senior therapist, seeing a psychologist, um is then essentially a little bit of an aid that 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 helps a an already moving train. Look, uh, I mean to see a professional, um they're
1: is a, is a last step to my mind, uh, because then, then you are really in a situation of helplessness. But before you get to that stage, there's still a lot you can do. Like to thank you, Alfred, um,
0: again, for having joined us for this session. Um, I think you've provided a lot of insights um, as to how we can address anxiety, um, how to approach work in a way that fulfills us. And before I sign off, um, I'd just like to, to Give you a moment to just conclude um, anything else that you'd like to add on what we've discussed
1: um, yes look i think um, what is important uh, that in the workplace we become a bit more accepting of anxiety as a very human condition um, and that most of us uh, f- feel anxious about challenges and and have doubts about things um, and I think if we become more accepting of that we are in a better position of managing it instead of compensating for our underlying anxiety about challenges by posturing or power play or uh, misusing authority and so forth which which is behavior that you often see in organizations which is uh, not cooperative it's not uh, constructive and uh, it also doesn't accept that um, you know we need to relate at a, at a more human level in order to reduce those anxieties uh, and therefore have more energy left Uh, to actually flow into the work that we are choosing to do. Hopefully it is a choice.
0: (laughs) True, true. Thank you very much.